following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan it's time for the huge show from the east side to the west side to the UP the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE that's 1-866-838-4843 now the huge one Bill Simonson it is the huge show in full effect here on a Wednesday afternoon. All huge shows on every Wednesday brought to you by the MHSAA. Bill Simonson is off today. My name is Dan Hasty. Sitting in for Bill, we've got a lot to cover today. And unfortunately, it's not the news we wanted to be caught talking about. Because now the Detroit Tigers find themselves in a tough spot. The Detroit Tigers in the last 48 hours have lost not only Eduardo Rodriguez, he's on the injured list, so is Riley Green. The factory of sadness has opened for the Detroit Tigers. Now we have to find a way to pick up the pieces. So to help us do that is my good friend from Barstool Sports, Chris Castellani. If you are on Twitter, odds are you know CC. He joins us now. Chris, thanks for joining us, my friend. Good to hear from you. I appreciate the introduction, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like uh, I would have been a little bit more jovial if we did this interview two days ago, but uh, Dewey definitely (laughs) calls. Happy to be on here, but look, the one thing I can say, it makes for some interesting discussion, I guess, about where the direction that this team is going. Uh, Obviously, some devastating news, and I'm sure we'll jump into it here in just a second. Yeah, so the news obviously coming out just a little while ago, Riley Green out indefinitely, a stressed fracture. On top of that, I learned about a brand new injury that I've never heard about with Eduardo Rodriguez. He's got an issue with one of his fingers. So you literally take this team that, as of 48 hours ago, was one game out of first place, one game under 500. Those still don't really line up together in my head. But that was the situation they were in. And now all of a sudden, the Tigers are not only without their best pitcher at the moment, but also their best position player. So what does this do for you in terms of how your expectations continue to kind of guess kind of go along through the course of, of the season and how it dovetails with, you know, any hopes that you have at a potential postseason situation. Yeah. Well, look, even with um, these guys at full health, I uh, looking at the schedule, I felt like that white Sox series that they played at home, which was wonderful was kind of the last breath that they're going to have for a while before they do a deep dive into playing some really good teams. And uh, that's been proven right so far against a really good Rangers team. So it's not so much like, Oh, these injuries are going to cost this team a shot at the postseason. Oh, these injuries are going to have long-term impacts. I know green will come back fine. I think it's just this one. And these two really have devastated fans, 
more than anything recently. Green, there's the connection they have there because he is our guy, drafted, you know, uh, number five overall, came up through the system. He's so far this year done everything we've wanted him to do. He's been what we've wanted him to be, turning the corner, becoming potentially a franchise player, and and, and he's out. And, and well, I have zero doubts that Riley Green will come back and be fine, be very productive, can still be a star in this league. It, let's say it is six weeks for a young player. That is a big deal because that's six weeks in which you're not getting the reps in. You're not becoming as familiar with pitchers. You're not uh, 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 your strike zone recognition isn't seeing any sort of improvement because you're rehabbing from an injury. So uh, it just extends his development here. I have no real long-term concerns. I'm starting to, because this is the second major injury he's had, have some long-term concerns about durability and and, and him in center field. I mean, he w- did not start the uh, season last year on the major league roster because he had a broken foot. As far as Erod goes, there's other things in play there. Um, it stinks because he's pitched wonderful this year. And, and I think really it's been one of the more uplifting stories that we've seen here in a minute that this guy who was, you know, put through the ringer last year uh, and, and some of it deserving, some of it not, who has come back and been exponentially better than any of us expected him uh, to be. There's so many different things in play here when you talk about the trade deadline, when you talk about the division where they're at right now. I guess the, the one thing that I could say that I think all Detroit sports fans can agree upon is that uh, meaningful baseball is an addicting thing. And, and I people can, can poo-poo the record and the division all they want, but the truth is you can say factually that this baseball team Start, uh, came into Memorial Day with one game out of first and all of us were giddy and they were playing well. I just, it sucks to see that, that rug be pulled out from under you. Cause I did think even with the hard stretch they had coming up, they had a few more weeks of, okay, we're in this. You know, I, I figured that they would a- a hit a slide at some point to see these guys be taken out the way that they have for what appears to be, you know, a, a, a fair, you know, amount of time. It's just, I mean, the word is just devastating, man. It's just, it's, it's a frustrating thing to deal with as a fan. I know it's frustrating for these players and from a clubhouse morale standpoint, it's got to be devastating as well. These guys were two of your workhorses and have been uh, green for such a young player seems to have established himself as genuinely one of the leaders in that clubhouse as well. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds so archaic to just say, or, or simplistic to say that it stinks, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I could speak for all fans and say right now that uh, it stinks because even if this team did hit a wall at some point we were looking forward to and have enjoyed seeing the development of Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson well for an indefinite amount of time now that will not be seen we're talking to Chris Castellani so when we go back 48 hours and I think a lot of Tigers fans would prefer to go back 48 hours and just try to hit the reset button you know if you watch Chris's videos on social media, particularly on Twitter, Instagram, places like that. One of the things that you probably noticed is that over the last so many years, all those words, frustrating, especially one of the words that you just used, has probably been right at the forefront because it almost probably felt like you were making the same video each and every single night oh, yeah. for a long period of time. So, yeah. you know, after kind of feeling like you had been beating yourself over the head the same way over and over, you know, this season, was not exactly that experience. And I, I know we're in the situation we're in right now, but just to get to that point where you're at that one game back spot, where you're around 500, you wanted this team to just be competitive for a change. And they were. How much for you personally was this breath of fresh air needed? Yeah. Let me, let me go be a little bit more hopeful here for a second and say mm-hmm. that I have still, 
gotten substantially more enjoyment out of the first 50 plus games of this season than any season in which I've started uh, in which I've done uh, these videos starting uh, back on Twitter in 2017. I am even with the injuries and even with this potential slide that might be coming up because of these injuries. I am still uh, very pleased with the development of um uh, uh, with the development within this organization, I, I think offensively, look that it, there's there's a lack of talent pretty much everywhere across the diamond. You could argue at this point, or, or at the very least, inexperience. But I think the approaches compared to where they were, like I mean, I made a joke in my video a few days ago last year. I mean, to get uh, to get a guy to second base, you, know, you had to wait like uh, in a, every election cycle to see that. Now, look, they're getting yeah. guys on base. You're seeing Green hit the ball well. McKinstry's been a phenomenal pickup from the scrap heap. Like, there's been some really positive things. And even with these injuries, I, I really I want to drive home the point that I am more hopeful about the Detroit Tigers right now than I have been uh, in a long time because I, I've made this argument before. I think that when you are a team that is building slash rebuilding, you can lose games and still play winning baseball. And I feel like over these last six, seven years, winning baseball has not been something that we've seen very much of uh, at all. We've seen sloppy play, poor fundamentals, very poor at bats, chasing pitches out of the zone. And I'm not saying that those issues don't still exist, but they are not as persistent as they've been over the last several years. I, I made a video about this last week. Even if this team loses 90 games this year, um, I still am am happy with the direction that the organization is going in because I feel like there are basic things that we have not seen over these last several years that we're starting to see. So I don't I don't want to make it seem like the sky is completely falling down. I'm generally speaking quite happy with what I've seen. It's been a banged up team. You knew that they were banged up coming into the year, but we had a lot of question marks. How are they going to uh, put together this bullpen? Well, the bullpen's been pretty darn good, even with some guys that you did not expect uh, to be great. You know, where is the production in the lineup going to come from? Well, McKinstry's been excellent and green had been excellent there is still hope here this is a devastating setback but as as a whole i am i am pleased with the organizational development i i feel like this extends even beyond the um major leagues it goes down to the minor leagues as well when you see some of the numbers that these guys are 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 putting up so but no hope is by all means uh lost there is still there are still things to look forward to here it's just so disappointing that uh two guys who had been even more than that even veerling who who has moments this year uh, and carrie carpenter who's been out for a while these guys that you you were seeing positive things out of um now have to uh have to sit out for a while that's the frustrating part but as a whole right now pass fail um i am i am happier with what i've seen this season than i expected to be has the last 24 hours changed your viewpoint on how they should handle buying or selling at the deadline? I think it's going to make Scott Harris's decision a lot easier because I've been asked this question all the time. And the, the, my, um, my, uh, my response has been ask me in a week because I don't know. Like people, people have said to me, if we're X amount of games out, um, at, at the deadline, what do we do? And I, I truly haven't had an answer because it's a it is a bizarre lightning in a bottle circumstance in which you can realistically play 500 or even sub 500 baseball and by the deadline be out of it. Uh, or I'm sorry, by the deadline, still be close to first place. Uh, it's a bizarre situation. My guess, based on what I think, where I think this thing is going, based on the injuries, is that come deadline time, uh, that smoke will clear uh, quite a bit. I am not, you know, and I will, I will continue to not be someone who's in favor of a full on, 
uh, circa 2017 type of fire sale. I believe that there are pieces here, some healthy, some injured, who can be on this roster when the next time this team makes the playoffs. That's why, and we'll give it a few weeks before I really kind of argue about it, but that's why I'm not really in favor of trading some of the back-end relievers you have. I think these guys can be good for a long time here and uh, can help you know can help you potentially at some point in a, in a pennant chase. Erod will be the tipping point, and I think that, once again, Scott Harris's decision has been made easier uh, with this injury because he's pitching out, he's pitched out of his mind. The numbers, even when he when he comes back, the numbers are going to be the same. I mean, the numbers are still elite. He's been fantastic this year. Will probably be the subject to change, the best pitcher on the market. So I um I, I it's changed how I feel a little bit because I truly if if I felt like this team was in position to fight for and win the division at the deadline, I would not be in favor of selling. Like you only have so many opportunities. Uh, the, the uh, Phillies won 86 games last year and made it to the world series. But I think the, that things are becoming a little bit clearer with, uh, with the injuries right now. Now, look, weirder things have happened. If, if these guys get injured and this team is still playing, you know, solid baseball over the next two weeks, and then you get these guys back, it becomes a different story. But uh, if it goes the way I think it's going to go, I think that there will be some sort of unloading of assets at the deadline. But I think people who are afraid that we're going to be seeing, um, you know, everyone be gone, star players be gone. I don't believe that's the case. I think Erod is an extraordinary circumstance because of the contract and because of the fact that he's pitched well above his pay grade so far. Beyond that, I, I don't think that we're going to see the Tigers be huge movers and shakers at the deadline. Chris Castellani, Barstool Sports, joining us here on the huge show here, hour one here on Wednesday. You mentioned that they have pieces, and I want to talk about matchups in just a minute, but for a moment. Let me push back on relievers and the pieces you said you don't want to move. I mean, isn't developing pitching, specifically relief pitching, one of, if not the strongest points for the Tigers organizationally right here and now? Think about Joe Jimenez, Frank Soto, able to turn those players, flip those players into assets. What's keeping you from wanting to continue to do that? Um, well, that, look, that's a very fair question. And if there's one thing that I've seen from this organization uh, so far this season, and really over the last several years, it's that you have a pitching coach who can kind of take anyone and turn them into a serviceable reliever. Um, the, it, the issue, the difference between potentially selling this year and last year is I felt like even if Gregory Soto continued to peak, even if Joe Jimenez continued to peak, this team was so far away. I think I don't think, given the division they play in, and given some of the talent they have coming in, I don't think you're as far away as people think. If Scott Harris knows how to develop players, we could be looking at a real solid core here as early as next year. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next year. I just think there's a core by next season. I believe that core can include Alex Lang. Like, in general, Dan, I am I would absolutely be in favor of, of unloading relievers at the deadline if it was a Soto or a Joe Jimenez or, you know, a, a heavy majority of the relievers that uh, are, are available at deadlines year in and year out. I legitimately think, though, with Alex Lang especially, that you have somebody who can be in like a, a Craig Kimbrell type, a Kenley Jansen in, in their prime type of like four, five, six years in a row. This is the last guy you want to face coming out of the <clears> pen. <throat> I, I did not. Uh, I know I've had my fun with Gregory Soto, but I acknowledge Gregory Soto was a good major league reliever with a lower ceiling because of how wild he was. They sold high on him. I totally agreed with that with somebody like Lang. It's just, I, I'm not against it. If the hall is there, but um, I just, I think that you have potentially the best closer if in the American league, if not the second, 
you know, and you're even with all your struggles and injuries, you're two games out of first. If you run it back next year, you could surprise some people and guess what? You got an elite closer. So there are definitely arguments to be made on both sides. And I got to also reiterate here. Um, if in two weeks from now, my opinion could be completely different. If two weeks from now, okay. I don't see, I don't see a future as bright as uh, I see today, then I'll, I'll change my stance on it. I mean, last year I was kind of in, uh, in that camp too, of like, don't unload. Like, what's the point? You're not going to get much. And then by the time we got to the deadline, I was just like, fine, let, let's do it. So opinions very much subject to change. I'm assessing this, you know, just post Memorial day here, by the time the, the dog days of summer come around, I could be, you know, uh, singing a different tune. So we'll see. It's good because that gives me an excuse to have you on in two more weeks. We're talking to Chris Castellani. <laughs> so we're, we're, you mentioned that they have pieces and, one of the things that I've noticed this year, because talking about just, okay, what are the organizational strengths for this team? Uh, we've seen it with Chris Fetter. We've seen it with his ability to develop yes. relievers. But it feels like this year, more than in some past years, they are really all in, headfirst on matchups, platoons, yes. splits. It just feels like every lineup is the most fluid situation. And to me, I'm starting to get to this point where I'm thinking, okay, this is where they've decided that they can win. I mean, Scott Harris talked about, you know, winning in the margin, right? This yeah. is starting to feel like one of those margins that they kind of take, I'll put a lot of stock in. What's your read on what they've been able to do from that standpoint? It's I, I approve of it. Sometimes, because I think that there are instances in which guys are sat against lefties for, you know, like I understand that maybe their career numbers aren't great, but you know, like to me last night, you have Zach McKins- McKinstry who cannot get out right now. And uh, I know he ended up pinch hitting, but like you, you sat him to start the game. Sometimes I don't like it. At the same time, I do think coming into the year, I truly don't believe Scott Harris's message or what he was trying to do was tank. I really do believe there's a legitimate effort night in and night out to try to win games. And I think that with him and AJ kind of at the helm here, uh, I think that they've uh, viewed things as, look, we're, we're, Night in and night out, we are not going to be the most talented team. But if we can play smarter than the other team, uh, it gives us an advantage. I think that's why you've seen so many different lineups, so many different lineup changes, so many platoon situations. I think that they, as an organization, have keyed in on that. And uh, my guess is they want to be uh, very similar to something like what the Dodgers do. When you look at the makeup of the Dodgers roster, yes, you have Freeman and Betts and J.D. Martinez. But that roster is loaded with utility players who either crush lefties or crush righties. And a lot of them, you know, only play every other day. I I mean, they have a very deep lineup. I think that's what the tigers are going for here. They're not just trying to assemble a one through nine of guys that are going to hit every day. They want to have 13, 14 guys as a whole that you can kind of, you know, pick and choose where you play them in the field and pick and choose where you put them in the lineup. I think long-term that will pay off. I think that uh, it's been frustrating this year because the the roster has been so, so limited offensively over the last several seasons. But I think that's something they've definitely honed in on it, trying to be smarter. And ultimately look at Scott Harris's philosophy, I think is something that's been preached uh, to no end, which is we want to dominate the strike zone. And the way you do that is by, putting hitters in the lineup who give you the best chance of doing that. And so I think that they've really honed in on that with the platoon matchups. I I can be split on it sometimes, but the science behind it, I have zero issue with, you know, you, you need to try. It's almost that money ball principle. Like we need to try to win smarter as opposed to being richer. Cause we're not, you know, we just, we just don't have the, 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 the players right now. Uh, So it's, it's an interesting thing. It's open. There's been a lot of discussion about it on, on social media and everything as well. But I think at the very least, 
it gives me hope that there is a plan here. Like there's an identity of what this organization is trying to be. And that is exciting. Why is the rest of the AL central so bad? Um, It's a good question. The reason truly is because it's the one division where people just don't uh, spend a whole lot of money. That's, that's the answer. You look at, we, because people compare it to the AL East, right? The team that's in last place right now in the AL East, I believe would be in first place in the central. Well, the Yankees are the Yankees. They still, they still spend a ton of money. Uh, The Blue Jays have spent uh, the Red Sox. Well, maybe not the way that their fans have wanted them to uh, still spend. Uh, The Orioles are, haven't spent a ton, but they have a great young core and they're going to at some point. And then you have the Rays who are obviously the outlier of outliers. It's kind of crazy what happens when teams spend money. Like, look at what the Rangers have done. The Rangers lost, I believe, 100-plus games two years ago. You get Semien, you get Seager, you add all of a sudden your team that's in first place. I think that it's just a division full of owners that are kind of scared to to throw their hat into the ring here. Like, Minnesota's thrown out a contract here or there. I know they got Correa. Uh, Cleveland's thrown one out here or there. But I think that it's a combination of teams that are just trying to win uh, in a way that's more thrifty as opposed to a way that uh, that is is easier with uh, spending money. I, I think in this instance, it's a bizarre circumstance. I do think that water will find its level to a certain extent because – a year ago at this point, we were kind of saying the same stuff, and Cleveland did end up winning 90 games and gave the Yankees a heck of a run in the ALDS. So it wouldn't shock me if we see that again. Um, it's just it's just one of those strange circumstances where everyone is mediocre uh, within the division. And uh, I don't see that changing that much this year. I think uh, with the scheduling change, too, I think that's another big part of it. With the scheduling change, uh, you can't beat up on uh, the Royals uh, – 18 times a year. You can't beat up on your, the lower level teams in your division 18 times a year. You're still going to play them a fair amount, but with you playing everybody. Yeah. I don't, I think 85 wins might win this division. It's, it's frustrating because I've seen this division be very competitive in the past. I remember 06 when you had three really good teams, you know, fighting for it. Uh, I just think that it's, it's a matter of certain teams are just kind of afraid to throw their hat into the ring. Like there's no reason why the Cleveland guardians shouldn't be spending a lot of money right now, at least be in the top 15 in payroll with the core, core they have. They haven't done it. And uh, because of that, the division as a whole has been uh, pretty, you know, pretty underwhelming. Let's take a time out. Chris Castellani, Barstool Sports. He's on Twitter at Castellani 2014. We've got Chris here for the 3 p.m. hour. We'll take a break and then come back as you're listening to The Huge Show here on a Wednesday afternoon. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. Hey, it's Brett with the Michigan Sports Network. It's now time to step into a world of nonstop action on the DraftKings Casino app. Play the classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus enjoy exclusive games you can't find anywhere else. Right now, new customers who deposit at least $5 can get a match on their first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. All you have to do is sign up using promo code HUGE and start playing from a full suite of games. Your way is the only way to play on DraftKings Casino. Play online on your time, in your space, and within your means. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE and get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on the DraftKings Casino app with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. 
Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan. Available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. Disturbed, the Take Back Your Life Tour. Labor Day Monday, September 4th at Soaring Eagle. And same show, same night, Stained. Tickets start at $34 and on sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard, rock harder. It's been a while. Disturbed and stained. Labor Day Monday, part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together at the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. You can register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. show rolls on 3 p.m. hour, hour number one, as we navigate the absolute mess that the Detroit Tigers have found themselves in over the last 24 hours. 3 p.m. hour, our guest is Chris Castellani of Barstool Sports. Joining us, Chris, again, thanks for doing this. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they only get you in about four-minute excerpts every single day. So it's fun to actually get you for an hour. Yeah, I mean, that's all they need. But yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Obviously, I could talk Tigers till I'm blue in the face. So, yeah. And see, and this is the thing about you. And, you know, you've come to the ballpark in West Michigan. You've sat in the booth with me. We've, we've had opportunities. And one of the things that I love about when I get time with you like this is that I don't have to write anything down. I don't have to prepare anything. It's literally just the conversation. And you you just know that when it's somebody like you, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Not that if, you know, somebody, you know, gets hurt and ends up on the injured list, but you know, you are passion embodied for the tigers. And I think so many people are just so refreshed or have been so refreshed this year that the Tigers actually have done something positive. So as we get into kind of the nuts and bolts as to what happens now, I am curious because there are a couple of pretty good feel good stories from this particular first, what, 60 game stretch to you. What's the best story? Zach McKinstry. Because it's the best story, in my opinion, not just for him personally, because on its own, it's great. You have a kid. Got cut by two teams, 
released by uh, the Dodgers, went to Central Michigan, right? Fire up chips. The guy was, uh, you know, gets to the Tigers. He was a guy that I I know one of my coworkers uh, who was uh, a big Cubs fan said, Scott Harris loved this guy when he was with the Cubs, comes back around organizationally. That gives me so much hope because I think that when you look at the best organizations in baseball right now, Astros, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Braves, what? Yeah, of course, we know they have a lot of superstars, but they also have these guys who they take off the scrap heap and they turn into really good players. Max Muncy with the Dodgers being like the ultimate example. The, the A's, he was an afterthought with the A's. They picked him up. He's turned into a star. So seeing a guy who the rest of baseball had kind of given up on having, you know, up to this point, like close to an all-star caliber campaign, uh, that's fantastic. That's That gives me so much hope for the future because it it makes me believe that Scott Harris is good at the one thing, uh, the number one thing Al Avila failed at, which is, uh, talent recognition and talent development. I think that's insanely important. And and just in general, I think the story, his own personal story coming, coming back here, Detroit as a fan base, we love uh, scrappy guys that came out of nowhere. So like, he, I feel like much like Eric Haas two years ago, who's, who continues to you know be productive for the Tigers. Uh, you have that right now with McKinstry. And so that, that to me is the number one story. Cause I look looking up and down this roster and the guys who have performed, I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that that green would be really good. I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that Erod would, would return to form. I did not have Zach McKinstry uh, putting up an 860 OPS on my 2023 bingo card. So I think there's so many reasons, even if it doesn't last, there's so many, there's so many reasons to be excited about uh, the future of the organization. Cause it's clear. You have a president of baseball ops who has a solid eye for talent. I think we can agree. Eduardo Rodriguez will likely opt out of his contract. That, that's a pretty safe bet, even regardless of the injury that just put him on the injured list. Talk to me about Javi Baez. What is there any chance that Javi Baez does the same thing? No, none. I, I mean, I don't, unless he's the only way, and this would, I think, be the first time in major, in major league history that this happened. The only way would it would be if he's so unhappy in Detroit that he decides I will take a substantial uh, or a substantially uh, le- substantially less money uh, to play somewhere else. I do. I just do not see that happening. I think he's comfortable with his contract. I do not see him opting out. Like I, I have never seen in my life, and maybe maybe there's somebody I'm missing, a player opt out of a m- big contract after having the two worst years of their career. It just wouldn't make any sense. I think. At some point, and it won't be this year. It won't be this year because there's just not enough depth yet, and there's not really any anybody who can replace him yet. At some point, if this continues with him, I think what would be more likely is that some sort of discussion would be had about some mutual parting of ways in which you dump him for some minor league prospect and eat some percentage of the contract. I do not see that happening this year. I don't even really see it happening in the offseason. I don't think it would happen until probably next deadline. Uh, but right now, I would I would put it at close to a 0% chance Javi opts out. The only way that changes is if he does something similar to what he did with the Mets two years ago, where he goes nuts for two months. That baseball reference page looks a lot juicier than it did earlier in the year. And he starts to, at least for in the short term, revert back to the player he was with the Cubs and in the second half with the Mets. But I, man, I just think that is such a long shot that I can't even, uh, I can't even make that prediction. So right now, I would say if there's any Tigers fans holding out hope of, of a hobby bias opt out, I would, I would say that that hope is, is falsely placed. I do not see that happening 
I still think it's much more likely that he opts in. For what it's worth, there are no shortstops available on the free agent market this coming offseason. So if he wants to be the best of that bunch and somebody's willing to pay it, that's probably his best angle. That's the only thing that I think possibly becomes a determining factor. But to your point, I think he's going to have a hard time getting the contract that he can lock himself into if he stays in Detroit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I just, even, even with you, what you just said, now somebody tweeted that at me uh, today about the fact that he's basically the only shortstop on the market. I still per year, just do not see him getting the money that he's going to be earning in Detroit over the next several seasons. So yeah, I, I don't really see it happening. So you talked about navigating a tough situation. You probably know how this kind of, you know, coalesces into another Tigers player. Right now, I mean, essentially the Tigers have themselves a $32 million hitting coach in Miguel Cabrera. So trying to find a way to to navigate what's been obviously, you know, when we all saw this coming, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. And I remember when Juan Gonzalez was a Detroit Tiger. And I remember the massive contract offer that he turned down. And I'm looking at it. And of course, Miguel Cabrera has a much more significant place in Tigers history. So it's kind of in that way, comparing apples to oranges. But this is what I think that would have looked like had Juan Gonzalez signed that ridiculous contract offer. So now you've got, you know, all these years at the back end for a crazy amount and you're just not getting a whole lot. And we've known that it's been heading this way for a while. So I mean, if I give the keys to Chris Castellani, how are you navigating this to its proper conclusion? Well, the way I would have navigated it was, and you can't you know, go back in time, the way I would have navigated it is I would have pulled him aside at the end of last season and uh, really probably in the second half of last season and said, hey, we appreciate everything you've done here. We are going to pay you next year's salary. Don't worry about that. You're going to get paid in full, but we're going to spend the, the, the latter part of the 2022 season uh, celebrating your career. You've gotten to 3000, you got to 500 last year's team, especially, I mean, you could argue by may, but especially by, by the end of of the season, very few people were going to the park. We're going to make this the Miguel Cabrera celebration. You'll get your send off. We have a new president of baseball ops here. We're trying to develop a new young core. You can have a job within the organization. You are welcome to be here as long as you want. But we just feel like as an organization right now, the major league roster is probably better looking elsewhere. I don't know if he would have agreed to it. I don't know if that would have made him mad. That's how I would have chosen to go about it. So coming into this year and seeing what he's done, it's one of those things where it's not. I see a lot of people getting mad at Miggy. It's not a Miggy problem. Miggy is one of the greatest hitters of all time. The decline was obvious, right? We knew that this would happen this year. I don't think it's an effort thing. Like, look, he, he ripped two hits last night. I, his biggest issue is he didn't take great care of his body and, he, and his knees don't work at this point. Like, he can't lift the ball. But it's he's going out there putting in the reps. I have no issue with that. I think at this point, and people have asked me about it, I am 100% certain he finishes the season. Unless he voluntarily says, I can't play anymore. The truth is their biggest marketing ploy this year, if you watch any little bit of television, 
uh, has been Miguel Cabrera, has been his send off, the retirement tour. You know, you have the signs out by the statues. Every time he gets a hit, you add to it. Uh, teams are giving him gifts. Like this was all, this was their big selling point this year. You're not going, you're not going to just say, all right, see you later to the guy that is probably the number one reason, you know, at least in the early part of the season, uh, why people were, were coming to the park. I think the only way that, he doesn't finish the season is if he pulls a Ken Griffey Jr. and says, hey, you know, I just don't think I can perform anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't think that happens because I still think he loves the game of baseball. I still think he loves being in the dugout and loves putting in the work. I just think father time caught up to him. So, yeah, I mean, the way I would manage it now, I would do the same thing. I'd pull him aside and say, like, what do you think is best for you in the organization? But to me, to me, they screwed up in the sense that where those decisions or those conversations should have happened was last season. Cause I feel like right now, if you, uh, you're not going to release him, but if there's some sort of parting of ways halfway through his last season, uh, I, I don't, I know how I'd react to it. I'd be okay with it, but I don't know how the public would react to it because I do know of multiple people. And this is, this is true who have bought tickets just for his last game. Like uh, from a marketing standpoint, not even including the baseball stuff. I don't know if it would be a good idea. And I'm only speaking about that from a business perspective. I know how, how I'd handle it. It's sad to me, the whole thing, because a Miggy at his peak was, was an unstoppable force. And to see him out there, you know, it's being just, a, I mean, he's a shell of a shell of himself. I mean, he's a copy of a copy. It's sad. I, I will view this last, these last few years with him. Um, not fondly because you're seeing a guy that at one point you believed was invincible, just kind of, you know, uh, you know, slog his way to the finish line. I think that's disappointing. I don't really have the, the fun with it that some other people do seeing him, you know, just climb up these leaderboards. But yeah, I think at this point, uh, their bet is kind of made. I think he finishes out the season and AJ is going to play him a few times a week and, uh, they'll just, uh, give him the send off at the end of the year. I'd imagine that many Tigers fans, know of Miguel Cabrera being this version of himself on the decline or the player we have now longer than they knew of him as that dominant transcendent player. How much has this, this, this decline affected his legacy? Yeah. I think it's affected it way more than people let on way more than people let on because like Miguel Cabrera's career numbers speak for themselves. Okay. He is a first ballot hall of famer who is in my lifetime, the greatest tiger I've ever seen. And maybe in, uh, offensively will be the greatest tiger I've ever seen. Just amazing in his prime, but he is, he's played 16 years here in seven of those years, almost half. He was a below replacement level player. This isn't like, you know, somebody in the, like Ozzie Smith, his last few years when he was in St. Louis, where he just had no offense, uh, at, at all, it, you know, declining. This is a long stretch. I mean, this is, uh, he started struggling here at the beginning of the rebuild. We're, uh, you know, we've changed GMs. There's been a whole lot of change in the organization. He still continued, uh, to struggle. I, I mean, I, I think that it does have a greater impact than people think. Does it take away from any of the accomplishments? No, but I, I that's a really great point that you bring up because I was born in 1995. Somebody who was born in uh, 2005, right. Who became a Tigers uh, player, you know, when they were, when they were growing up, the, the version of Miguel Cabrera that they know of is the one that we've seen since 2017. Does it mean that he's undeserving of the accolades he gets? No, not at all. The, the numbers speak for themselves, but yeah, I, it's, it's changed the way I view things. And it really, and again, I, I want to stress, it really has very little to do with with him more so as just that contract and the fact that father time caught up to him. But I, I do think that uh, that that when you tell the story of Miguel Cabrera's career, 
that part that part of it has to be included. I mean, when we talk about uh, Albert Pujols, we include the fact that he had some pretty bad years in Los Angeles. I think that there's a pretty uh, similar arc, sadly, when it comes to mis- discussing Miguel Cabrera's legacy. It was all great. It was incredible, as good as we've seen. But these last several years, you know, they, they could have done without. I've heard some people, actually a, a handful of people now, say if the Tigers are going to keep Miguel Cabrera, who's actively hurting his team when he plays, well, then I can't take this team seriously as a contender at any level. Agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I agree. I I agree with that. And it's honestly, I think there's multiple players on the roster that you could say that about, but it is what made this little mini run that they had where they got one game back. So, so interesting because it's like, yeah, I mean, I I, I'm with you. I think that there is one team right now that uh, would, would put, you know, consider putting him in the lineup or consider using him as a pinch hitter. And it's the tigers. And I I'm not from, from a business standpoint, I'm not mad about it, but no, I do agree. Like, I think that uh, it would be a a much different uh, circumstance. Um, if, uh, if this team was really, really competitive right now, I don't know if he'd be here. They know that they can get more people to the park celebrating the retirement tour. And that's what we've gotten. Even though Riley Green's not playing, are you still going to wear the Riley Green bucket hat in your next trip to Comerica? Oh, dude, yeah. Honestly, I've thought of, I've toyed with the idea of adding it to my post-game attire. Um, with, <laughs> with with the blazer and with the the Tigers pen and the Batman pen, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna have an empty chair with with the floppy hat on it for the time being. The second he comes off the IL. Uh, we can do something with it, but no, I, I, it's, it's ironic because two years ago I was at uh, a game at Comerica against the, the, uh, Blue Jays and I've had a, an orange Tigers floppy hat in the back of my car for about two years now. So that will, uh, it will join my wardrobe there and may potentially be a part of my post game attire and at some point in the future. Well, look, I, first of all, you know, I, I want to see this team do well. I've had the good fortune of seeing it, although, I was born in 1985, so I came in right after the World Series. And you've never got a chance to see a World Series. We're both in that same boat. And I know there's a lot of people that feel like they want to see the Tigers be successful for many reasons. And I think for those people, you're one of those reasons. I think people want to see it, not only for them, but for people like you as well. Chris Castellani, you can find him on Twitter at Castellani2014. Again, Chris, thank you very much for spending some time with us. This has been a great hour. Again, I don't have to prepare a single thing when CC shows up. So you're the man. Appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Chris Castellani. We'll take one more time out, then we'll wrap up this 3 p.m. hour. Then we'll get you all set for the 4 o'clock hour. Don't forget, Brian Pena, the West Michigan Whitecaps manager, the former Detroit Tiger, will talk to us a little bit about just kind of the inner workings of Detroit Tigers player development and how that's changed over the course of the last couple of seasons. A lot of big differences within that system. How have they affected things internally? We'll find out coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But for now, we'll step aside. We'll have one more quick segment as we wrap up the 3 p.m. hour here on The Huge Show. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. We might have just come out with our most refreshing Nicolope Ultra Organic Seltzer yet. It's called the Essential Collection. It's made with coconut water and real fruit juice. So it's always going to have a real refreshing fruit taste. Can refreshing get any more refreshing? Yep, it can and it just did. Nicolope Ultra Organic Seltzer, made with coconut water and real fruit juice for a superior taste. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 
Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. IRC Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. We played for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older than Michigan to play. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Wrapping up hour number one here on The Huge Show. Again, a big thanks to Chris Castellani of Barstool Sports for spending some time with us. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Castellani2014. Odds are you're probably already following him. A huge thanks to Chris for hanging out with us here on hour number one. By the way, all Wednesday editions of The Huge Show are presented by the MHS. AA. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk Detroit Lions and we'll kind of see where things sit now that the dust is almost settled. I know the Lions have some cap space left, so we're going to talk about that, jump into what you want to see them do with that cap space and how you're feeling about this team post-draft. Now that the dust is really settled on draft day, we'll talk about that as well. I wasn't totally sold on what the Lions did on draft night, and now the question becomes, are you coming around to it? Also coming up, we'll talk to Brian Pena, former Detroit Tigers catcher, current manager in the Tigers minor league system. We'll see how life has changed post-Alavila and into the era of Scott Harris. Much more to come in the 4 p.m. hour as a Wednesday edition of The Huge Show, presented by the MHSAA, continues. Big. Bad. Huge. is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. It is hour number two of the huge show. Thanks, everybody, for making us a part of your Wednesday, the 4 p.m. hour, as it were. Again, a huge thanks to Chris Castellani of Barstool Sports for spending some time with us. And now we got to move over because there's a few other things going on. It's actually been a pretty good news day, all things considered, in Detroit sports. The Tigers just picked up a win. They defeated the Texas Rangers at Comerica Park. And after all the news that we got earlier today and the news we talked about with Chris Castellani, it was losing Guys like Eduardo Rodriguez and Riley Green and <laughs> the sky is falling. It was just one of those mornings and I guess 24-hour spans for the Detroit Tigers. But 
They end up getting themselves a win. They take down one of the better teams in all the baseball. I mean, nobody really talks about the Texas Rangers, but that has been an unbelievable start. They are dominating the American League West right now. Think about that. That's the same division as the Houston Astros. Nobody is dominating that division other than Houston these days. So the Tigers get a win. They hold things down. They defeat the Texas Rangers 3-2. to Meanwhile, the Pistons probably saw that a little while ago, James Edwards, the athletic Athletic, confirming a story alongside Sham Sharnia that the Pistons, they're pursuing Monty Williams and are pursuing him aggressively. There was a lot of talk about a handful of different assistants. I don't know if they were any real choices that was exciting the fan base, or at least in this case, exciting the owner and Tom Gores. So it seems like Monty Williams has really become the primary target for the Detroit Pistons. So that's encouraging. I obviously don't love when the story of an offer comes out as opposed to just, hey, we hired this guy. (laughs) Because if a story of the offer comes out, then usually that doesn't mean that that offer at least was accepted, if nothing else, right away. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'd love to care about basketball. You know, it's funny. I was actually joking around with some of the boys on our one of our affiliate stations over in Midland, ESPN 100.9 FM, Brad Tunney, who's the voice of the Great Lakes Loons. We were talking about just the way that that NBA and Detroit have not exactly been in communication over the last decade and a half, you know, and just how different the game is. And if you are, say, for example, a basketball fan who is more of a Detroit sports fan, and you tend to unplug if your team's not involved, you really haven't been watching or following the NBA in like two decades. I mean, you have to really go back a long way now in order to find the last time that basketball was even remotely relevant. You know, we talked a lot in the last hour about just wanting the Tigers to be competitive. And I don't know if that's kind of the bar we're going to hold the Detroit Pistons to going forward, but... They're making an effort, and they, they, they certainly have not had a few breaks go their way. If anything, they've actually been working against some of those forces when we saw them fall to the number five pick in the draft. But again, they're going after Monty Williams, so we'll keep them across that the Pistons can find a way to get him because, again, he's he's one of the better coaches in the NBA. I mean, he's not is he perfect? No. But he is one of the better coaches in the NBA, and of course his star player in Phoenix has some Michigan ties in Devin Booker. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So we can talk about that if you want, 866-838-HUGE, or you can text HUGE to 2100. Thanks again to Bill Simonson for allowing us the chance to step in here today. This hour, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions. And if you want to answer a very important question, because you you look around the landscape of the NFL, this is about that time of year where... It's sort of malcontent season, right? There are just a handful of players that, for whatever reason, weren't happy in their last spot. They aren't happy in their current spot, and they're looking for some type of a change. And you know the names that we're talking about, whether it's somebody like a Quinnen Williams or a Chase Young or a DeAndre Hopkins. There are the, a handful of players that just about this time every year, once teams have spent a lot of their money, once the dust has settled on the draft, they're still trying to figure out exactly where they're going to go. All that being said, the Detroit Lions still have $24 million in salary cap space. 
And if you want to get into the whole salary cap as a joke thing, and <laughs> we, we, we can do that as well because I think any team that really wants it, they can free up money rather easily in this day and age. I don't know if they can free up $24 million, but they can free up some money. So with that kind of extra salary cap room, the Lions are in a position to add one more piece and a big piece. So if you could make one more move, say you only get one more move. We've seen what the Lions have done, whether it be in free agency. They added some talent there. They added a lot of help to their secondary in free agency. We saw Cortland Sutton. We saw Emmanuel Mosley. We ended up seeing another addition at the running back spot. They had one through the draft and through free agency. Of course, they traded DeAndre Swift, but David Montgomery comes in, and Jameer Gibbs gets drafted. So they've done a lot of work in those particular areas. Then we saw the draft. We saw Jameer Gibbs, as mentioned. We saw Jack Campbell end up getting selected at number 18. Then it was Sam Laporta and Brian Branch. And if you want to get into that draft, and if you've come around on it at all, we can take your calls on that as well. I wasn't really sure at first. I was not confident that the Lions had done themselves enough of a service with those picks that they had. I didn't like Jameer Gibbs at number 12. Don't like any running back. I mean, maybe Bijan Robinson, but still don't love him because, again, they're they're so interchangeable. They're so replaceable. But once you heard Brad Holmes talk about it, at least you understood that there was, in fact, a very set plan to compete right now significantly. And it was less about finding the, the, the core building block long-term five- to ten-year piece as opposed to somebody who can be a lightning rod for five seasons and probably not much more than that. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Sam Laporta apparently had some really good looks in OTAs. I'm not going to get here and break down OTAs for you. But, I mean, in terms of what they got, I've come around on it. So, The question now becomes, if you can make one move, you only get one move, what is that missing piece for the Detroit Lions? Call us, 866-838-HUGE. You can also text HUGE to 2100. There's a few different players and cases you can lay out. Chase Young, the longtime defensive end. Well, I don't even know if I'd say longtime anymore. I mean... He just was, he's been hurt for a long time, hurt long time, defensive end Chase Young. But when he is healthy, he's a game wrecker. And he's been playing in Washington on a team that has been organizationally lost over the course of the last maybe 10 seasons, maybe more, depending on your perspective. And Chase Young has, has had all those abilities and all those flashes of, of superior talent, but hasn't been able to stay on the field. So if the Washington team commanders now are we calling are we are we still the commanders today so if if they're looking to move on then sure i I mean that that's certainly worth something on top of that though you do have to give up something you're not going to get chase young just by giving him a contract He's, he's he's not one of those players you know you think about whether you have to trade for somebody or if you can just sign someone there's a big difference there and you think about it from this angle too one of the most suboptimal moves that you can make one of the most suboptimal moves is giving up future assets, future draft picks or whatever. Giving up future assets for the right to overpay a player. That is suboptimal business. I would say 99 times out of 100, it's the team that is giving up all those assets 
to go pay somebody way too much money never works out. So you got to give up something for Chase Young. You've also got to give up something, probably a lot more, for Quinnen Williams. He was considered one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. There was some talk a couple of weeks ago. It sort of died down a little bit as of late. Quinnen Williams changed his Twitter bio to defensive tackle four dot, 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 dot. So there was some questions as to whether or not he was truly happy playing for the Jets, who, of course, they just picked up Aaron Rodgers. It's a fairly interesting team. I mean, I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate what they had before. I mean, he, yeah, we, we knew what he was, uh, you know, even as much as five, six, seven years ago. But last year, it, it was not a good season for Aaron Rodgers at, at all. And you saw what happened against the Lions towards the end of the season. And, I mean, all things considered, that was about as best-case scenario for the Green Bay Packers last year as they possibly could have had. And all those best-case scenario things considered, they still didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, that's a team. And look, more often than not, teams are a direct reflection of the caliber of their quarterback and if they're getting the most out of them. So... Quinton Williams is another piece. He's going to be the most expensive. You're going to have to pay him the most. You're going to have to give up the most. The other one is DeAndre Hopkins. And I know that there are, there's a group, there's a lot, I'd say a faction of NFL loyalists, of NFL observers, who, who aren't really buying what DeAndre Hopkins has been selling for a while now. And, of course, I don't know if you, if you want to point to the six-game suspension he had, I don't know if you want to point to anything else in particular off the field. I, I've always enjoyed watching DeAndre Hopkins. I've never been up close and personal with, with following his career or career trajectory. But what I do know is this. He's a free agent, and you don't have to give up anything to get him. And when you're in a situation that the Lions are in, you know, we, we think about Dan Campbell, and we think about the last couple of years, you know, Hard Knocks, when that came out last year on HBO, Hard Knocks probably did the Detroit Lions a better service than anything that's probably happened to them in the last two decades. Hard Knocks made other players around the NFL want to play in Detroit. There's not a lot of things that can convince ultra-talented athletes to come play in the city of Detroit. As much as you like it, as much as I like the city of Detroit, as much as we all think of it, and it's ours. Don't talk about our city, right? We, we get defensive when it comes to people talking about our, our space. People aren't lining up to come play there. So there has to be some sort of tangible reason to convince people to come here. Hard Knocks was that reason. I mean, you talk to anybody that, that signed. I mean, David Montgomery, Cortland Sutton, any of the players that the Lions drafted last month. All of them in agreement. Probably shaped their opinions by watching the Lions on Hard Knocks. There were more clips that went viral from that season of Hard Knocks than probably any other season over the past decade. And the likability factor is high. You've got Dan Campbell 
And I want to talk about him in a little bit later on in this hour as well, because last night was the, I guess they called it the season finale of Ted Lasso. They didn't call it the series finale. So I don't know what that means. And if you watched it, we won't do any spoilers here, but if you watched it, I think you're still kind of twisting in the wind. But we need to kind of find a way to line up Ted Lasso as it pertains to Dan Campbell. But if you can only make one more move, what's the missing piece for the Detroit Lions? You can call us at 1-866-838-HUGE, 1-866-838-HUGE. I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. I want DeAndre Hopkins among all those names on that list because you look at that offense, and it's Ben Johnson's baby, right? I mean, if you like Ted Lasso, his his wonderkind, Nate, it's the assistant coach who, who knows essentially how to scheme everything and how to get the most out of his team, that's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson is Nate. He's Nate the Great. So finding a way to give him enough to succeed, I think, is important. And you look at what they're doing on the offensive line. That's a really good offensive line. It's not the Philadelphia Eagles, but it's probably in the conversation of the top five in the NFL. Jared Goff, we saw best-case scenario Jared Goff last year. He was just fine. I think we, we look at the receivers, though. They are one Amon Ra St. Brown injury away from not being able to throw downfield whatsoever for the first six weeks. Like, not at all. You've already in a situation without Jamison Williams. We know the backstory there. That's tough. That's, that's a bad look. But what are you going to do? It's the current culture in the NFL and sports betting. So Jamison Williams out for six weeks. So they're already without one. They brought back Marvin Jones. That's fine, I guess. He, he, knows, he knows how to get into the stadium. <laughs> he, knows, he knows where his parking space will be. That's great. Can he help out a team that's trying to win double-digit games? Significantly? I don't know. So they are one St. Brown injury away from really being in trouble. It's one of the reasons I think they wanted to go get Sam Laporta. They wanted to go get another pass-catching option, and I think Laporta is going to be a lot more involved than we think. They like using the tight end, too. Jared Goff, he, he, likes, he likes using that part of his personnel. I mean, how many times did he have to throw to Brock Wright last year in order to convince you that he liked throwing to tight ends? I mean, we were learning about guys that were taken in the in the sixth round and pick number 172 overall. I want DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think he's I think he still has enough. I don't think he's out there looking for any sort of a, a mammoth contract. I think he just wants to win. And of course you're gonna have to pay him a little bit. Yeah, you're gonna have to pay him a bit. But I don't think it's going to take any long-term investment. Somebody on the text chain, and you can text this as well, text HUGE to 2100. Text HUGE, H-U-G-E, to 2100, said a good backup quarterback. 
as that one move they want to see for the Lions. And they even threw out a name, which I always appreciate. I mean, it's a lot easier to just throw out an idea as to what one area to go get. I really, really think it matters. And I love when people actually put a name on it. And they suggested a backup quarterback. They suggested specifically Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Bridgewater was somebody that the Lions had kicked the tires on earlier this offseason. There was a lot of smoke around conversations with the Lions, Teddy Bridgewater. They wanted somebody as a backup quarterback. I don't think the train has fully left the station on that either. Especially if you look at this year as sort of a redshirt year for Hendon Hooker. If you really want to put Hooker in a great spot, (laughs) if you really want to do that, yeah, you, you go get a guy like Bridgewater for a year. Somebody with a lot of starting experience in the NFL, a lot of games in the NFL. But, like many quarterbacks, maybe Teddy Bridgewater thinks that he's a starting caliber quarterback and he's not ready to sign with somebody until he's convinced otherwise. A lot of things can change. You've got training camps. You've got OTAs going on right now. You've got the preseason. It wouldn't be the first time that a quarterback decided to hold off on signing with a team to wait to see how things played out. There are so many times where a quarterback goes down and all of a sudden a team gets very desperate very quickly. And maybe that's what Teddy Bridgewater's banking on. Maybe that's the move for him. And if so, I can't blame him. I mean, we've seen players like Cam Newton, for example. Cam Newton, he was sitting on his couch. And then all of a sudden, a week later, he was a New England Patriot. Fast forward a year, and all of a sudden, he's a Carolina Panthers quarterback because why not run back the clock and make it feel like it's 2005 again? So he might he just might be that, that style. He might just decide to look around at some of his peers and just say, you know what, I'm too good to be a backup. I might not be good enough to be a starter right now, but you're going to put yourself on that short list if you don't sign anywhere. But I want DeAndre Hopkins. I think you get a guy like that, and you have to understand, too, pass catcher is one of the most important positions in the modern NFL. Having those dynamic, playmaking pass catchers. And Hopkins, although he is obviously not what he was during those days he had with the Houston Texans, he still offers something. And he, he still offers abilities that can win you football games. He was doing that as an Arizona Cardinal for years. I've liked DeAndre Hopkins. He's he, he's somebody that I've enjoyed. If you've ever played fantasy football, you've seen what DeAndre Hopkins has been capable of. See, that's the thing. We always know like the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the quarterbacks. You really got to start digging if you want to learn about what makes Chase Young that much more impressive off the edge because of his burst and how he beats a left tackle with what he can do from a technique standpoint and all that other 
inside baseball stuff. But, you know, they, they run the ball. They're old school that way. And at no point was it more evident than in the draft. You know, they went Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. But they want to do it their way. And one of the ways that, that, that you can do that is by draining the clock. If you drain the clock and you run the football well, it is an older school way of going about it. But if any team can do it, it's a team that can really pave the way for guys like David Montgomery, guys like Jameer Gibbs. And, and that is playing to their strengths. So I give them credit. They have one of the best O-lines in football. And I think that they're trying to take advantage of exactly that. Coming up in our next segment, it was the season finale of Ted Lasso last night. Didn't come out till midnight, by the way. <laughs> that was brutal. It made for a tough wake-up this morning. But if you are paying attention at all, you understand that Dan Campbell has his players playing for him, much like the story of Ted Lasso and how much his players have loved playing for him. So I'm going to leave it to you. Who's the real-life Ted Lasso? If there's one in Detroit sports, is it Dan Campbell? Is it somebody else? And then to you personally, who was your personal Ted Lasso? Who was your coach? Who was the one that you connected with beyond anything else? Who made you the best version of yourself? We'll take your calls. 866-838-HUGE, 866-838-HUGE, or text HUGE to 2100. The HUGE Show every Wednesday is brought to you by the MHSAA. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is HUGE. We might have just come out with our most refreshing Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer yet. It's called the Essential Collection. It's made with coconut water and real fruit juice. So it's always going to have a real refreshing fruit taste. Can refreshing get any more refreshing? Yep, it can and it just did. Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. Made with coconut water and real fruit juice for superior taste. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. IRC Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Bill Simonson here for my good friend, Tom Rosenbach. He's been the managing partner at Bean Garter for years. He helped grow that firm with the great men and women who are there every day in downtown Grand Rapids working hard for their clients. Well, now Bean Garter has officially merged with Dorn Mayhew, a Detroit-based business company, and they're still going to have that local feel, the same local experts you know and trust, but with newly expanded global capabilities. So Bean Garter is becoming Dorn Mayhew, which means stronger than ever before. And stronger together is that hashtag you can remember now as Bean Garter becomes a Dorn Mayhew firm. But remember, they'll still have that local feel in Grand Rapids and across the state. Dorn Mayhew is a Michigan-based company in Troy. But that local feel with a global reach. And Tom Rosenbach wanted me to express to every client and individual listening that Bean Garter now is a Dorn Mayhew firm. Imagine this, a day filled with indulgence, bursting with excitement, and packed with extraordinary moments that build memories to last a lifetime. A day that is unmistakably yours, at the place that is undeniably spectacular. 
Whether you're winning big, dining lavishly, or relaxing oh so comfortably, it's your getaway reimagined. It's Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. The Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police reminds us that when it comes to child abuse prevention, we can always make a difference, and we can do that starting now. Be kind and be strong for the kids who need our help. Be mindful of how much every child matters. Create a safe, loving environment for all children. Today, tomorrow, and every single day, we can light the way for a child who needs us, and we can do that starting now. Roast Umber is a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. PM hour continues here on the huge show. Dan Hasty in for Bill Simonson today. A little on location. So get ready for hour number three. We're actually in Dayton, Ohio right now with a little West Michigan Whitecaps baseball. Whitecaps in Dayton against the Dayton Dragons. That's a Cincinnati Reds high A team. And right now the Whitecaps in their ballpark, LMCU ballpark, is actually trying to move on to the final four of the best of ballparks. Right now, they are mentioned in the top eight ballparks in all of minor league baseball. LMCU ballpark in a battle on Ballpark Digest. And you can actually vote them into the final four. They were actually a number 15 seed in the Sweet 16. And they upset the two seed. And the way that they can advance to the final four is if you go on and vote. So find me on Twitter. You can find me at that Dan Hasty, D-A-N-H-A-S-T-Y. You can vote for LMCU Ballpark because right now it's actually coming down to the last, let's see, how much time do we have left? The final day. We have less than a day remaining in that, in that round. And right now, the West Michigan Whitecaps are trailing Beloit. And here, here's the deal. West Michigan's not allowed to lose to Beloit in anything, ever. 54% to 46%. So this is where we need you to come in, cast the Whitecaps in their ballpark a vote, LMCU ballpark, so they can move on to the final four. They've always been close in the best of ballparks range. Never this close, though. Never close to a Final Four. And if we've learned anything from St. Peter's, a 15 seed can absolutely go far in the NCAA tournament. And in this case, they're going far in this tournament. So again, you can find me on Twitter at ThatDanHasty. I just posted a link to that. So you can click through the link, you can follow in, and you can cast your vote for LMCU Ballpark. There's actually another team within our listening atmosphere that's also in the running. So if you're listening out in Midland on ESPN 100.9 FM, Dow Diamond is also in that Elite Eight. And they're trailing in their matchup by just 
one percentage point. They're down 51 to 49, so I guess technically two, but go in there, throw Dow Diamond a vote as well. Help out our Gray Lakes Loons friends. So we were talking about Ted Lasso, who had their season finale last night. And who knows? I I don't know. I, mean, I thought it was interesting that they didn't call it a series finale. They called it a season finale. It doesn't seem like there is any more Ted Lasso planned, at least not in its conventional state. But maybe there will be some type of a spinoff, perhaps. And it got us thinking, who's the real-life Ted Lasso? Or who's Detroit's Ted Lasso? Moreover, who was your Ted Lasso? Who was your coach as you were growing up? Who made you the best version of yourself? You can come in and you can tell us your story. 866-838-HUGE, 866-838-4843, or text HUGE to 21000. I mean, in Detroit, the answer's got to be easy, right? If you're talking about Detroit sports, it's Dan Campbell. He's Detroit's Ted Lasso. We learned that. We learned that due to hard knocks. Without hard knocks, we might have an idea, but I don't think we'd be nearly as convinced as we are now. You can always say that the results speak for themselves. Lions having the second half that they did. That changed expectations. I think there are more people now that are more excited about that team than they may have been probably in, at the very least, one decade. You got to go back to those years where Matthew Stafford, Indominus Sue, Calvin Johnson were the core of that team. There was a time, I mean, there was a time where the Lions looked to be competitive. It's funny now because a lot of teams, a lot of people like to point to the Dallas Cowboys as America's team. Okay. Is that just because they're on at 4 o'clock? You noticed, we all saw it last year. Every national pundit, every station, everybody couldn't help but talking about the Detroit Lions. And I actually kind of think that has that has a little bit to do with Ted Lasso. I think I think we're always looking, I think media is always looking for storylines. They're always looking for good stories. And I think that they actually believe that the Lions were the closest thing in the NFL to Ted Lasso. You've got a coach that Surrounds himself with very smart decision makers around them. Of course, in Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis' character was an actual football coach. He was a college football coach. I think he was coaching at Wichita State. And he won a title. I think it was like a Division II title. Then he ended up getting hired by a soccer club. <laughs> So he didn't know anything about soccer. Dan Campbell knows a little thing or two about football. It's not quite the same. But the players play for him the same way. But who was your Ted Lasso? 
I had a coach growing up in high school. Actually, my freshman year and a few years before that. Name was Coach Guzdek, and it was just a simple question. And I think now more than ever, coaches are more tasked with developing the person, developing people, as much as they are developing talent. And in a lot of ways, it's almost like going to school when you were young. How many times did you have a class that you didn't necessarily love the subject of, but you connected with the person teaching it? Well, now more than ever, the person in those positions, coach, manager, those people need to develop the people as much as they do, if not more so, than the player and the athletic talent. They're, they're important, of course. You can't have one without the other, but especially in the age we live in today. And there are some aspects of sports just in general that are so mental. So, so mental. There's a reason that all of these teams are hiring people to work with mental health. There are more distractions than ever before. And they are everywhere, and it's not going to quiet down anytime soon. So teaching how to block that noise out, that matters. But it was my freshman year of high school, Coach Guzdek. That was the one that, I was a first baseman. I was kind of the body type of one of those wacky, waving, arm-flailing, inflatable tube men. (laughs) And get blown away in a windstorm. But I was a first baseman. I tried to pitch, actually, once upon a time. And I remember I was warming up in the bullpen during a practice, and one of our other coaches came up to me while I was throwing, and they said, Hey, Hasty, is is that your changeup? I was throwing a fastball. And that was the end of my pitching career. Brett Hayes is on the ones and twos today. Brett, who was your Ted Lasso? Uh, When I played roller hockey, it was actually a club sport at uh, Rockford here in Grand Rapids. Oh, Rockford. Oh, fancy. Yep. My my Ted Lasso was Coach McCormick. I was kind of like one of those lanky guys, like you were just saying, fly away in the wind. I wasn't great at hockey, but he gave me a lot of opportunities, and he was just an uplifting, cool dude. And that's the thing, is that we don't really get invested until we realize that somebody believes in us. Right. We don't have those moments. We don't have those epiphanies that, you know what, this is actually something I can enjoy because I'm actually feeling supported. I mean, you can go and you can play a sport that you absolutely love, but if you're playing around the wrong people, around the wrong coaches, that experience can be miserable. It doesn't matter if you're a player. It doesn't matter if you're a staffer. If you're around the wrong people you're going to have a crummy time. So you think about people like that, you know, having the right people around you. I mean, you you can have a coach in many ways, shapes, and forms. You can have a great boss. 
you can have. I mean, later, obviously, as you grow into an adult. But as a kid, I mean, I mean, that's the closest thing you probably have to a boss, other than you know whatever minimum wage job we're working as a teenager. So, shout out to all the coaches that have helped us get to where we are, and shout out to Ted Lasso for putting on a good show in their finale last night. I won't spoil anything. Uh, Brett, did I spoil anything based on what we've heard today? No, I wouldn't say so. Good, good. That's right, because I don't want anybody knocking on my door tonight at, like, midnight. All right, so we'll take a time out when we come back. We'll continue to wrap up our conversation about the Lions, if you can have one more piece. And, and if you are back on board with what the Lions are doing in terms of what they went through through the draft – They've got $24 million in cap space. What's that one last piece? Because they've got enough room for about one more piece. If there's a missing piece, we need to know it right now. Call 866-838-HUGE, 866-838-4843, or text HUGE to 21000. Back with the remainder of the 4 p.m. hour after this, the HUGE Show every Wednesday is brought to you by the MHSAA. Everything HUGE, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Hey, it's Brett with the Michigan Sports Network. It's now time to step into a world of nonstop action on DraftKings Casino. Play the classics like Blackjack, Roulette, and my personal favorite, Slots. Plus, enjoy exclusive games you can't find anywhere else. Right now, new customers who deposit at least $5 can get a match on that deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. All you have to do is sign up with promo code HUGE and start playing from a whole suite of games. Your way is the only way to play on DraftKings Casino. Play online, on your time, in your space, and within your means. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE to get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at one 800 270 7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted in customer, minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Have you ever played golf at Tullymore, St. Ives? Have you experienced a stay and play package in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of Grand Rapids? Well, here's what you need to do if you want to take advantage of great deals right now. Go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com, and you'll see the link for packages, accommodations, dining, meetings, weddings, events, and so much more. And especially golf on the 18-hole layout at Tullymore and the 18 holes at St. Ives. And they can accommodate any group, whether it's two people getting together or 200 looking for a week or an overnight celebration that includes a little business, golf, great food, and beverages, just go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com. They're located in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of GR. Get more info at TullymoreGolf.com. I'm Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball. I'm Hunter Moore, and football is my game. So we know a few things about sports. And the passion of Detroit fans. That's why we're big fans of Eagle Casino and Sports. It's the mobile sports book that lets you bet on action all year long. Right from your mobile device. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan. Made for Michigan. Download the app and start winning today. Must be 21 or older and in Michigan to play. 
Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Somebody tell Monty Williams that Detroit has Stevie Wonder. That's a selling point. If it, I mean, if it's not, that's Monty's problem. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier in the 4 p.m. hour. Dan Hasty, and it's the huge show. In for Bill Simonson here in the 4 p.m. hour. Actually coming to you from Dayton, Ohio this afternoon here on a Wednesday. All these Wednesday's editions of the huge show brought to you by the MHSAA. I remember back in the day, I actually don't know if I could have been on the road and away from the studio. Brett Hayes is our producer. But there was a time where I distinctly remember Bill had asked me to fill in for him. I don't think I've ever told Bill this story. <laughs> so I don't I can't believe I'm telling this, but I remember I was asked to fill in. He asked me to come into his show. And then it turned out that I had to be in Chicago for something. And I had this little app on my phone. And this was when, like, the, the iPhone was probably maybe its third at the most, maybe second or third generation. So it was not exactly the most reliable technology. But it had a way to connect to the studio. So I put my, my little corded phones in. And it was back when that had kind of like that rectangular piece that you would talk into. And I remember I hosted an entire show from a hotel room in Chicago. <laughs> through the headphones? Through through the headphones, through the little <laughs> earbuds. Oh, no. I'm just picturing people listening and trying to, why does it sound so weird in there? <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like he's doing a show from the bathroom. But it worked. It worked. But now we get to be in much bigger spaces. We're at a baseball stadium. The West Michigan Whitecaps play a ball game tonight. They've got a bunch of the Detroit Tigers prospects. They've got their number one prospect, Jace Young. They've actually got a, a guy who played for the Tigers the last two years, Ryan Kreidler. is actually rehabbing with West Michigan. So there are a few names that are making this week interesting. We're up in the in the press box right now. I'm not in the broadcast booth. I'm actually in where the writers sit. There's a vending machine nearby. and I actually tried to get a Dr. Pepper, and I hit the button, and I got a blue Gatorade. So that's how that's going. <laughs> but it's been a good show. And again, if you missed the first hour, you'll be able to go back and listen to anything that you may have missed on the huge show there's podcasts page. You can go and listen to the first hour. We spent the entire hour with Chris Castellani. And then in this hour, we discussed the Detroit Lions, Ted Lasso. Coming up in the next hour, we'll talk to Brian Pena, the manager of the West Michigan Whitecaps, a former Detroit Tigers catcher. And we'll see how things are different from the Al Avila era that he knew very well to the era of Scott Harris that he has now. It all continues as we go into hour number three, the 5 p.m. hour here at The Huge Show. Bad. Huge.
following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. It's the 5 p.m. hour huge show on a Wednesday. Huge shout out to our producer, Brett Hayes, on the ones and twos today. All these Wednesdays editions of the huge show, by the way, courtesy of the MHSAA. We have talked a lot of Tigers so far today. We had Chris Castellani out in hour number one. I'm sure you'll be able to listen back to that in podcast form coming out after this show has concluded. But for now, I want to go and go into somebody and talk to somebody who's very familiar with the Tigers and just exactly what changes have taken place internally after. After Al Avila and now into the Scott Harris era. Brian Pena played for the Tigers back in 2013, had a decade long, decade plus major league career. Few people know about what's going on for the Tigers, not only where they're going, but where they have been and how things have changed over the course of the past year. Brian Pena joins us right now as you hear an excerpt from West Michigan Whitecaps Radio on The Huge Show. Welcome back. Whitecaps Radio continues. We are getting ready for West Michigan Whitecaps baseball, and who better to do that with than the manager of the Whitecaps, Brian Pena, who is now fresh into the top five of the winningest managers in West Michigan Whitecaps history, past former Baltimore Orioles Skipper and, of course, former Whitecaps manager Phil Regan with a win last week, and he joins us now. Skip, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Hasty, I'm very proud, man, very proud of, uh, you know, that moment and obviously especially you know thank you to everybody who has something to do with those victories especially our players you know that they go out there every single day and they give me their best you know and uh, you know I just want to say thank you to the Detroit Tigers organization obviously but also the White Cups I mean uh, you know because uh, this has been a, a great uh, you know moment for me a great experience for me and also this is home and uh, you know I'm super excited about you know continue to, to, to work you know with our guys and uh, you know and, and like I said before, you know, thanks everybody who has something to do with these coaches, uh, trainers, uh, strength conditioning coaches, you know, uh, and then and, and the players. And uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud and uh, super excited about you know the future. And uh, and we gotta keep going. You know, if you're lucky enough to make it as a player, especially in Major League Baseball, a lot of times guys have a moment where they say, "This is the moment I figured out that I belong here." And I'm sure maybe you had that because you played a long time in the major leagues. But as a manager, have have you had your moment yet where you've been able to say, you know what, I belong here not only as a player, but now as a skipper? Well, I, I, this is going to sound a little selfish, but definitely, you know, my first year uh, that I managed, we, we won the championship. Gulf Coast League. Exactly. So that was one of those like, whoa, now, you know, now <laughs> the bar is very high, you know, but uh, th- that's uh, not because we won, but obviously, you know, it gave me an opportunity, you know, for me to continue to fall in love with this position that I am, but at the same time, you know, I don't take nothing for granted, man. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I, I want to learn, you know, about pitching. I want to learn about 
about hitting. I want to learn about you know positioning. I want to learn about you know op, uh, offense. I want to learn about uh, you know an outfielder defense, and I want to learn about infield defense. Because at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm going to be managed you know next year. I don't know where am I going to be at. You know, so you want to get uh, used to uh, you know to to the analytics. You want to learn from from different sources, and uh, you know, and and then you just want to prepare yourself. But obviously, I love what I do. I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful, you know, to all the coaches that I have, all the coaches that I learn from, and all the coaches that I'm still learning from them, you know. But uh, like I said before, man, I I'm willing to learn. I'm I'm super excited, and uh, you know, I have a lot to learn. I have a lot, you know, to continue, you know, to get better at. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I got I got my heart and my mind in the right pace. Uh, place I'm sorry and uh, I'm super excited about it take me through what are the differences or what are some differences between managing at a level like this in West Michigan and the Gulf Coast League or maybe more specific what how different was it managing in 2018 2019 versus managing in 2023 it's a lot of new information out there well definitely the, the analytic part of the game right now is a little bit heavier you know obviously uh, me personally I uh, I'm very uh, uh, excited about numbers because I love numbers you know that's something that I, that I always admire and that is something that I always pay attention to but at the same time you know for me personally you know to be able to understand exactly you know the way the, the, the game is trending the directions that we're going and, uh, and and analytically you know I feel like I'm I'm, I'm, I, I'm doing a pretty good job you know making sure that I can relay the, you know the information relate the information to our players you know to making sure that I understand exactly what our front office people want and what is exactly what the analytic you know department want you know from the front us, uh, you know, to give to our players, and that, that's something that it forced me, you know, to get better. That's something that it forced me to understand, you know, better than the, the, the analytic side of the game, and also, you know, different uh, uh, players and, and and different coaches that I have to be able to work with, you know. But uh, you know, I always told myself, you know, you coach at the level that you're coaching at, you know. So that is something that I that I feel like uh, I, I I'm, I'm very I'm very good about about adjusting, you know, because also remember, um, you know, I know that we don't talk too much about. But I also had a chance, you know, to coach in Dominican Winnable, which one is a level where there is a lot of big league players and there. There is a level that you have to win. You know, there is not there is not such a thing of developing. There is not such a thing of, of trying to get the players better. You know, out there it's all about winning. Out there it's all about you know about, you know making sure that uh, everybody's ready to play, everybody's ready to win. But it's very challenging because you have players from different organizations. You got players that also they play in Asia. You have players that also play in Mexico. You got players that also play uh, in independent ball in Korea also so you have mix of a lot of different uh, you know players you know coming from different places and also that was a great experience for me you know to be able to be the bench coach for Luis, uh, Luis Pipe Urrera you know who is right who is now he's the bench coach for the uh, for the Skip Schumacher you know with the Marlins so uh, you know I learned a lot from him that is a position that I love that is a position that I really admire and that is a bench coach position you know I really learned a lot from him I really love I fell in love with the position and, uh, and obviously, you know, like I said before, I just want to learn and continue to get better. Uh, you know, that way I can put our players in a much better position to be successful and, uh, and continue to help our coaches and continue to learn from all of them. You mentioned learning. You mentioned the analytics. A lot of different numbers. What's your relationship like? Were you any good at math when you were back in school all those years ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't the smartest guy out there, but I pay attention to little details. You know, I pay attention to, uh, you know, to, to what my eyes are telling me. And I use, you know, I use the analytic to, com 
confirm, you know, what I'm seeing. You know, I use in the analytics, you know, to make sure that I'm that I'm that I'm trusting myself, that to make sure that I'm putting, you know, our guys in a good position, you know, and 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 also, you know, I use you know the analytics for me to learn and and for me to appreciate, you know, what the game is giving us, you know, analytically. So, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I love numbers, man. I really do. And like I said before, you know, I continue to look forward, you know, to continue to learn and, and continue to, be, you know, to get better. And, uh, you know, I sit down in that computer for uh, an hour, an hour and a half every single day after the game. And uh, and I love that because I get uh, I get a lot of information and that information I can give it to uh, Rico Ball or I can give it to, to CJ Wesley, you know, and then we talk about it. And then uh, Trevor, you know, who is our assistant, you know, pitching coach, you know, he will come in and also and we will talk about it because he also is very good with numbers, you know. So it's kind of like it, it, it's a team effort, you know, it's a team effort. And, uh, and obviously, you know, we want our guys to uh, to understand that this is the way, you know, we want things to get done in Detroit. And uh, that's why we're preparing our guys. We're not preparing our guys to, uh, you know, to be with Brian Peña forever. We're preparing our guys, you know, to go out there and uh, and and and, uh, and be ready for the big league level and also, you know, having them ready for A.J. Hinch. We're talking with Brian Peña. So this is fascinating because you say I use the numbers to confirm what my eyes see. So I'm just curious. What happens when that doesn't happen? Let's say that the numbers, the analytics don't confirm what you see. What's your process like then? Like what do you do in order to either change it, work on it, fix it? Like what happens when the eye test isn't matching up what is supposed to be happening on paper? Well, one thing that really helped me too is that I went to a scouting school. That's another thing that a lot of people don't no, you know. So Brian Peña is sitting here, but I've been, I've been, I've been everywhere like that zone, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of like uh, you know when you go through uh, uh, to a scouting school, they teach you a little bit more about paying attention to projections. You know, they teach you, but you know, a little bit more about paying attention to develop. They teach you a little bit more about paying attention to to the tools. You know, so sometimes the numbers they don't see that. You know, so it's kind of like okay, so uh, right now, you know, I understand that Brian Peña is not going to a good to a good time. Because because I hate to I hate to use the word struggle. You know what I mean? We don't struggle. We sometimes we say in a rut. We don't like to say struggle. What would you say? I would say that we're not at our best. You know, that is uh, that is the definition that I like to use. That's the definition that I give to our players. Because remember, when when you as a player, you heard your skipper saying like, hey, I know that you're struggling right now. So that automatically is putting in the player's mind that my skipper is not trusting me anymore. Yeah, and it feels more permanent sometimes. It does. It does. You know, so but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But it all depends what people, you know, uh, uh, get, uh, you know, that, that information from you. So me as a skipper, I'd rather use, you know, right now, I know that you're not at your best. Right now, I know that we are not at our best, but, you know, we are going to be, you know, continue to work hard and we're going to continue to do stuff like that because the word struggle is a very heavy word, you know, especially in, a, in such a difficult game that, that we play. So I, I substitute that one, you know, for uh, right now we're not on our best. So going back to your question, you know, I go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. I go back to the basics. I go back to watch film. I go back to uh, interact with our players, sit down with my coaches, what is exactly what you guys see because, uh, you know, I'm not always going to be right. You know, but if we all uh, are on the same page and we all communicate, and that is exactly what um, you know, Scott Harris and uh, AJ, AJ Hinch and uh, and and Garko ones, you know, us to be able to communicate. You know, like the other day, you know, I, I I had a phone call from AJ Hinch. You know, he came and then he called just to check in and see how everything is doing. You know, how how we doing? How you know if they need to, if we need any help or something like that. That's huge, man. That's huge because I know how difficult and how stressful it is. You know, to be. Man- 
managing at the highest level and for him to take his time and to give a call to me, for him to take his time and send me a text message, you know, he says a lot about him, he says a lot about the leadership, you know, that, uh, that our organization, you know, is, is, uh, is led by, you know, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, and it make me appreciate even more what we have, you know, so, uh, like I say, I go back to my basics, I communicate with our coaches, I communicate with our players, and then we go back to the basics because uh, that's, that's the most important part. You know, at times, you know, you have to go back and, and you have to start from the, you know, from scratch, you know, to, you know, for you to continue to grow in. And that's the way I use the analytics too, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, at the same time, numbers never lie, but sometimes they can deceive you a little bit. I'd like to get your state of the ball club here in just a minute, but there's been one question I've been thinking about with you because there's one thing you told me, maybe it was last year, but it's always been on my mind where you told essentially to some of your players or maybe to some of your coaches, you've said it to me before, you said rather than thinking about the minor leagues in the form of class A, high A, double A, triple A, there really isn't so much levels as there are just two levels, that being the big leagues and the minor leagues. Can you talk about that and just expand on what that means to you? Well, I think as an industry right now, the, the industry is getting younger and younger and younger every year, you know? So you you have uh, an opportunity to see players go, going from double A to the big league. You know, players that they, they, they skip triple A baseball and they're ready to, you know, to play at the big league level, you know? So it's kind of like our players, they're just a text message away from being Neary, you know? And they're just a text message away from Neary to the big league. Who knows what's going to happen, you know? So with that being said, you know, I don't want you to caught up in, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in higher baseball, I'm in a minor league, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get, you know, to a big league. I feel like that's too far away. In reality, it's not. Because the way the industry is moving right now, you know, we want our younger players to prepare. We want our younger players to understand that there is an opportunity out there for you to be successful at the highest level and for you to have a shot, you know, to become a big leaguer. But, uh, you know, if you don't take advantage of that, if you are, a, you know, if, if you are one of those players that it feels like, you know, things are not going my way or start feeling sorry for yourself and stuff like that, that is not a good mindset. That is not a good mentality. And, as, and that is my job. You know, my job is to make sure that our players understand. You know what? Let's not get caught up in the, res in the results right now. And let's focus a little bit more about the process. Because the process is the one that is going to dictate, you know, how far can we go. And at the end of the day, we all want to be a big leaguers. We all want to be in Detroit. We all want to win, you know, the World Series. And, uh, you know, talking about that, you know, I had a very good conversation with Kreider today. You know, he came Ryan Kreider. Ryan Kreider. So he came down here. And obviously, unfortunately, you know, he got, you know, he got hurt. So, uh, you know, he went through... Uh, uh, you know, to a rehab, uh, you know, process right now. He's going through a rehab process, so he's going to be playing with us tonight. But I have a conversation with him, and I'm like, do you remember the first year that I welcomed you to this organization when you, when we were in Connecticut for the first time? Right. Yeah, that's, that was his year, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. And I told him, I say, I, I never drink, you know, but when you guys make it to a, to a big league, that's going to be one of those days that I've got to look for an excuse and have a beer, you know, because, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's very, very good. It's a great feeling, you know, when you have a younger players, you know, coming through you uh, through the system and, and you have a little bit to do with your success, you know, so it feels like, uh, you know, it's, it's very rewarding, you know, to see their sacrifice, to see their commitment, their discipline, and for them 
them to be out there in Detroit and, and for and for us to be able to watch them you know in Bali sport and uh, and and for us to to be able to uh, you know to, to see them being successful at that level is priceless man and and it's a beautiful moment and uh, you know right now you know you have guys like you know Kryler, Riley Green uh, Tolkerson you know uh, uh, Gary Hill you know it's uh, a you know Manning you know and then on and on and on and uh, and then you know they're coming talent that they're coming and they're very close to you know to be at that level and for you to understand that I, at some point you rode a bus with those guys at some point you know you wrote the, their name in your lineup at some point you know you broke uh, you know bread with them at some point you know you 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 shared great moments with them and also you shared you know some tears and some happiness and for you to be able to see them out there at the highest level representing the Detroit Tigers man that's a beautiful feeling and uh, and and uh, you know that's bigger than than Brian Peña and uh, you know that's that's something that uh, I always gonna appreciate and that's the, and that's part of what we do and that's part why we fall in love with uh, you know with that assignment and uh, you know like I said before man I'm blessed and I'm super super humble and and very honored last one before we let you go Skip your team's in second place right now handful of games over 500 of the Midwest League Eastern Division just some of your observations from what you've seen from your team the last week or so well the thing about it is like you know we we, we have been challenged you know we have been challenged obviously we have been facing you know pretty good teams you know but at the same time that's exactly what you want you know you, you, you want to see what we made of you, you know you want to see your players you know embrace you know this kind of playoff atmosphere you know and I know uh, you know that uh, that uh, we still have a lot of time but at the same time you know we, we don't take nothing for granted you know every time that we go out there we learn from our mistakes every every time that we go out there we appreciate the opportunity that we have you know to wear the uniform and uh, you know right now it feels like you know our, our guys is still you know uh, uh, getting used to you know to, to to that grind you know because a lot of them they haven't played full season yet and this is the first year that they're doing some of them you know they play full season but they've never been up north you know they have they never have to deal with the weather and stuff like that and not putting excuses for our players because we don't do that you know we are we are who we are and we believe you know what we can do but at the same time it's a reality you know that we are to face but you know with that being said you know we, we feel very happy man and very excited about our team we're very excited about our team future and uh, we just have to get, keep going man we just have to understand that uh, that uh, it's, a, it's an everyday thing but at the same time you know just take advantage of this uh, uh, blessing a uh, chance that God is giving you you know to uh, to wear uh, you know a white caps uniform and representing the Detroit Tigers that's funny because last year in the second half we were chasing Lake County and that team was playing out of their mind good I mean they were so way over 500 and you guys had to win so many games just to keep up with them it kind of feels like Great Lakes is doing the exact same thing right now in some way does that make your team better because it's a high bar and you have to really continue to grind to hit that well definitely it forces you to be better yeah it forces you to bring you know the best talent you know the, the and 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 uh, your best talent and also you know it forces you to understand that uh, the industry is 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 very good like you know the, there's teams out there they 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 have uh, you know some uh, younger players and and those players they're already 20 21 years old and you see that uh, you know these younger players you know they they put in some numbers and they hit with power and they understand you know what they need to do some of those guys they got good arms some of those guys they go out there and uh, and 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 they they they, they compete you know at the at, at a very good level so it's kind of like hey you know what that is a good thing because that's going to bring us a talent you know that, that's going to force us to be better and also it's make us understand that I'm not taking nothing for granted and every single game counts so uh, it's a good thing you know the baseball is going through this right now because I believe that uh, like I say I believe that it doesn't allow you to feel comfortable 
comfortable that it doesn't allow you to you know to take anything for granted and uh, and and for you to go out there every single day and, and force yourself to be better and force yourself to have your best every single day and that's what talent do and that's what competition does you know so uh, you know like I said before man uh, we just have to keep going each you know we gotta keep going and uh, we gotta enjoy it, you know what we do but most important like I always told our players let's have fun let's have fun and then let's embrace each other because we don't know where we're gonna be tomorrow right. but right now we just have to be present and that's our goal yep enjoy it love the game don't get too comfortable learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable that is Brian Pena the manager of the West Michigan Whitecaps can't thank you enough for spending some time with us this has been great always good to catch up with you and thank you very much for spending some time yeah, with I mean us. thank you and also I want to give uh, you know Mitch our uh, head grounds crew guide uh, you know uh, a shout out because him and his crew they're doing a tremendous job for our guys to be to be able you know to go out there and, and enjoy a big league uh, you know environment and also a big league field so a lot of credit to those guys. I mean, Mitch, I mean, uh, and, and his crew, they're doing a tremendous job, you know, for us. And, and our players are super happy, super excited. And uh, he also, you know, they, they sacrifice a lot, you know, for us to be successful, you know, because they come early. They have that field ready for us to hit early. They have that field ready for our pitchers to throw bullpen. They have that field ready for our guys, you know, to take ground ball. So, like I say, it's a total team effort. And, uh, you know, we're very grateful and very thankful, you know, for, for the entire organization, the White Cups organization and uh, we just, uh, you know, have to keep going. Well, it's one of those things that you don't notice unless things are usually going wrong. But if you're out there every day, you notice it, whether it's going right or wrong. And that's why Mitch Hooten is not only a good groundskeeper, but a one who's won awards multiple times over for the fields that he's put together. Skip, thank you very much. No, thank you, guys. God bless you all. That is Brian Pena right here on the Whitecaps Baseball Network. And that was Brian Pena. We hope you enjoyed hearing from the former Detroit Tiger. He is a fascinating person to get to know, to hear from, to talk to, to understand, and to simply be around. We talked a little bit about Ted Lasso earlier on in hour number two, the 4 p.m. hour. We were talking about the Detroit Lions and the modern build for the right type of head coach, manager, that leader of men, so to speak. Brian Pena is all of that and then some. Thanks so much to Brian Pena for spending some time here on The Huge Show. Much more to come as we move along into a next segment and a wrap of everything we've talked about here today. A little more Lions talk on the other side of this timeout on the Wednesday edition of The Huge Show presented by the MHSAA. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. In the den. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. Eagle Casino and Sports, made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. Although it will be another 42 years before the next one, an unassisted triple play is made for the second consecutive day in the major leagues on this date in 1927. Johnny Noon accomplishes the rare play in the ninth inning, saving the Tigers' 1-0 victory. The first baseman catches Homer Suma's line drive, tags Charlie Jamison, the runner on first, and then beats Glenn Myatt to second base, making it the first time the last three outs of a game result from a solo triple killing. Noon would play just six years in the majors, four with Detroit with that 1927 season being his best. The Tigers that year finished 11 games over 500, but closed 27 and a half games back of the famous Murderer's Row Yankees that won the pennant. I'm Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball. I'm Herman Moore, and football is my game. 
So we know a few things about sports. And the passion of Detroit fans. That's why we're big fans of Eagle Casino and sports. It's the mobile sports book that lets you bet on action all year long. Right from your mobile device. Eagle Casino and sports. Made in Michigan. Made for Michigan. Download the app and start winning today. Must be 21 or older and in Michigan to play. Did you know that child abuse is 100% preventable? 100%. The Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police could use your help because you have the power to make that 100% dream a reality. Start by talking with your local police department and learn how you can work together to prevent child abuse right in your own community. 100% is within our reach, and our kids are counting on us to make it happen. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Continuing the 5 p.m. hour here on The Huge Show. Thanks for sticking with us throughout the course of your Wednesday. All huge shows on Wednesdays come to us courtesy of the MHSAA. We've got much more to come here on this edition of The Huge Show. But we just heard a conversation with Brian Pena, the Whitecaps manager out in West Michigan. There's a couple different minor league teams in the state. But, of course, West Michigan is the Detroit Tigers affiliate. And there's a lot of questions as to what differences are taking place beyond Scott Harris and within the Tigers minor leagues. Well, hopefully that articulated it because in having watched this season, I've noticed some big differences. One of the big things that we've noticed is the ability to kind of reflect what's going on at the major league level in terms of successfully employing platoons. We've seen things change and lineups be fluid at the major league level. Sometimes this guy's playing, sometimes this guy isn't, but then he comes in around the fifth inning. We're kind of seeing that throughout the entire minor league system as well. They're really deciding that that's one of the areas in which they think they can and will try to exploit and take advantage. So that's one thing that I've really enjoyed. Overall, you know, you think about what's happened at the major league level, especially over the last 24 hours. Eduardo Rodriguez, gone. Riley Green, gone. I mean, those are the, the two biggest reasons why the Detroit Tigers were a game out of first place on Memorial Day. So, look, I think it helps temper expectations. I don't think this was ever a 90-win team. I think this is a competitive team, and I think a lot of us just simply wanted that to be the case when this season began. So simply just having a 90-win team, that's all great, but of course there's a lot of expectations that come along when you have a club of that caliber. I don't think any of us are looking around thinking that that's what this team is, but they're now without two of their best, if not their absolute two best players. But all that being said, the Tigers have probably done a better job than any other team in the American League Central to this point at exploiting matchups. So even if they don't have a Riley Green, even if they don't have an Eduardo Rodriguez, especially in the case of Green, I think they're going to have ways and ideas as to how to compensate for that. They have a little bit less to work with, but in terms of what they've been able to get out, they've been able 
able to do a lot with a little this year. We talked to Chris Castellani back in the 3 p.m. hour, and he talked a lot about the best story that he's noticed over the course to begin this season. He named Zach McKinstry, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think about where they got him and how they got him. They gave up, I think, like a minor league pitcher for Zach McKinstry. But he is giving them value that far beyond their wildest measure could have possibly brought them. He's turning into a fixture for the Detroit Tigers. I'm talking about a long-term major league option at an important position in your lineup, probably a leadoff man, and with that ability to play all over the field. I mean, he is a super, super valuable player. Believe it or not, Zach McKinstry, much more so than probably anybody else on the roster right now, is probably the biggest reason why the Tigers pulled to within a game of 500 and we're sitting here at the precipice of the month of June. So it is exciting and it's something that I want to see continue. Also, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Today is my sister's birthday. Today's her birthday. So I wanted to say shout out. Happy birthday, sis. Love you. And, you know, in terms of all I want for her today is a Detroit Tigers win. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, actually, I think I want Riley Green back. Can we do that? <laughs> you heard Brian Pena talk. You've heard Chris Castellani. We covered a lot with the Detroit Lions earlier today. And, you know, I, to kind of put a bow on that, I will say this. I think there's more interest locally in terms of the football team, in terms of the Lions, than there ever has been. It's so funny. I actually watched the end of the series Ted Lasso last night. And if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, first of all, why? It's one of, if not the best shows on streaming services anywhere. You can find that on Apple TV+. Plus, But you learn the impact, especially in the modern age, as to what coaches really should be. You know, you think back to former coaches. You think back to the old school scrap iron kind of surly old person. And it doesn't really work that way anymore. I think the position of, of leadership, especially in a dugout or on a sideline or, or anywhere like that, I think, I think a coach that job description is different today than it ever has been and much less about teaching X's and O's. And of course there is a place for that, but I think these coaches and I, and this is where I gave the lions a lot of credit. They got it right when they hired Dan Campbell and it didn't have to be Dan Campbell. There's a lot of great leader of men types, right? But I'm glad that it was him because, you know, when watching something like a Ted Lasso, you realize the importance of being able to connect with the people who are out there trying to find what's best for you. And we live in an age where mental health is a very important talking point. And to be able to look and see how these players and how these people, they now show their best on the playing field. If they're right mentally, they, they, they do. And, you know, physically that stuff will take care of itself. But 
to get the most out of these people, you're trying to get the best versions of themselves. And truthfully, the best way to get that is by developing the person every bit as much as developing that player. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, confidence breeds success. We know that. And whether we're seeing the Detroit Tigers take a slap shot at one of those rinky-dink nets in the dugout as their home run celebration or... You go back to the Hard Knocks series with the Detroit Lions last year, and you saw exactly how things have changed. Look, the Detroit Lions were not that team a couple of years ago. <laughs> if anything, they were kind of like the very beginning of the pilot episode of Ted Lasso, where they were totally dysfunctional at the very beginning, and they had to make a change. They did. They made changes at the top, and those changes have moved them in a direction where the culture has just tremendously and exponentially improved. So to see how that's happened, probably one of the most deserving fan bases in all of pro sports, the Detroit Lions fan base, to have not only a good team, because there's a lot of good teams out there, but a feel-good story to go along with it. You know, I know coaches don't love hard knocks. They don't want things getting out. They don't want them being seen in a more candid light for a number of different reasons, but... I would venture to guess that the Hard Knock series probably did more good for the Detroit Lions from the top down than anything else that's come around in the last 10 years. That was probably the best thing that's ever happened to them. This is a simple idea that they can now attract talent. They can attract attention. They have people rooting for them. You know, I know that they say that the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. And sure, they've got fans all over the country. No question. But just look across national media coverage over the last few weeks of the football season last year. They weren't trumpeting the Dallas Cowboys. No, they, they weren't. Everybody and their brothers were on the Detroit Lions hype train. Every single analyst, every single pundit, they were always pointing at Detroit. And you see what system that they've built. They've got, <laughs> if you watch Ted Lasso, they've got their, their wonderkind in Ben Johnson, the outstanding offensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. He's got a ton of new pieces to play around with his defense. And like we talked about in the 4 p.m. hour, I was not convinced that the draft was something that was going to help them long term. I, I think they had addressed some more pieces in the short term, and that's great. I think you just had to kind of wrap your mind around the idea that this team was ready to compete this season. And if that meant sacrificing a little bit of long term gains, if you will, I think they think they can have their cake and eat it too. You know, it's 
why the whole positional value conversation came into play when they selected Jameer Gibbs at number 12. I would have been very curious to have seen what direction they would have gone had Bijan Robinson been available at that pick. I think it would have been really, really hard to pass up on the obvious generational prospects versus a player that is known best for catching passes. And that's just kind of a secondary skill set as it pertains to the running back position. But they've always said that he's a weapon. And look, as it pertains to the Lions, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm more intrigued. I'm more curious than I ever have been with that team. And, and I spent a couple of seasons with the Detroit Lions radio network. So in seeing what they were to what they are, the best version of that Lions team is right here in front of us. And the expectations are, are, are high. I mean, look, I fully believe that there's going to be a celebration at some point during that year because there's going to be a home playoff game at Ford Field. I, I think that is 100% a reasonable expectation for where the Lions are. And they had a lot of draft picks. So not only did they fix areas in which they thought they really needed, but they did it with dynamic young players, albeit at positions that I didn't exactly think that, that were the highest positional value, whether it be running back or middle linebacker or tight end. But all that aside... They got pieces at the positions they felt they needed the most. And at this point, I mean, it's hard to question it. They found a way to improve across the board in so many different areas. And now they had that one last big draft, the the Matthew Stafford trade draft, if you will. This was their last shot. And from now on, we're back to a normal amount of picks from this point on. So the Lions, I'm in. I'm very, very excited about what that team could be. It's hour number three, the 5 p.m. hour here on The Huge Show. Much more to come as we enjoy a Wednesday edition of The Huge Show. Thanks so much for everybody for listening. My name's Dan Hasty, and for Bill Simonson here on a Wednesday, brought to you by the MHSAA. We'll wrap up the 5 p.m. hour when we come back here on The Huge Show. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. We played for the thrill, that rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports, made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older than Michigan to play. Huge here for all the Mr. Car Wash locations across Michigan. You're going to want to look into that unlimited monthly pass that I use. Superfly Hayes, my producer, uses it. I can get my SUV washed as often as I like for one low price. You can sign up today. Just go to MrCarWash.com or stop by your local Mr. Car Wash location here in Michigan for the one close to you. And to get that unlimited pass, go to MrCarWash.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. It is time for another segment of True and Blue, something we do every week 
on the huge show across Michigan in conjunction with the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. We talk about the great stories connected to our police departments all across this beautiful state. And today, uh, Abigail Thompson, who's a senior at Eaton Rapids High School, is set to join us. She's wanting to pursue law enforcement as a career and has her own opinions on the state of law enforcement in Michigan and across America. Welcome to the show, Abigail. Thank you for having me. All right, so tell me where you developed your interest in law enforcement. Um, well, uh, it started when I was a kid. Uh, I've loved helping people since I was little. Um, and just seeing all the cops out on the street patrolling, like giving out stickers to the kids has always been a, a big thing for me. Um, and then I always like the idea that they never have the same thing happen every day. Um, it's always different. They deal with different people. It's never the same thing over and over again. And I did notice in some of the notes here that uh, you currently are in the Explorers Post 9-11 at the Lansing Police Department. You applied for the cadet position as well in Lansing and will be starting uh, there in June. So that's pretty cool that uh, you're really getting a head start on becoming a police officer. Yes, I am. I'm very excited. So what, what is it like between the Explorers uh, post and the cadet position. Uh, what are you learning there uh, connected to the Lansing Police Department while you're still in high school? So uh, through Explorers, you learn all your basics, um, basic police work like traffic stop, felonies, everything and anything that we can to better enhance our abilities when we go into uh, a law, our law enforcement career. Um, the cadet position is just a paid position through the actual department, so that's more of a job kind of like thing, where I would do more report writing and all of that good stuff. So it's just more learning experience for me before I get into um, the actual law enforcement aspect of it. Well, well, being in high school and having that explorer's uh, position at the Lansing Police Department, uh, what did you learn about law enforcement that you didn't know going in? The most important thing. Um, you always got to be in your toes. You got to be ready for anything. Um, it's never the same. Uh, you could go to a call and the person's nice and happy. And then two seconds later, they're trying to punch you. I mean, it's kind of play it by ear. But I just learned that you have to expect the unexpected. It's never going to be the same every day. Uh, Abigail Thompson, who is just graduating from Eaton Rapids High School in the Lansing area, joining us on another edition of True and Blue on the huge show across Michigan. Every week it's presented at this time by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. So, you know, I have three kids in high school, one who just graduated. Social networks are a big part of information, both misinformation and real information for kids. So law enforcement hasn't been portrayed in the right light, I believe, over the last few years via the social networks. Uh, what has been your response to it and other kids that you went to high school with in Eaton Rapids when it comes to how law enforcement is portrayed on the social networks? Well, for me, I'm, I've always liked cops. Cops has always been something that um, have been on my, has been on my mind. Um, especially recently, I feel like they've been portrayed in a way where People go into any any interaction with law enforcement in a bad 
in a bad way, you could say. Um, kids nowadays, I feel like, see it on social media and then automatically think, hey, that um, regular day of work or that, that use of force is um, a police officer misusing their um, their rights and their laws as a police officer. Um, I don't, I personally don't believe it's true. Um, I think they're just doing their job and the media tends to portray like something that's going to give them a story, which is not their fault. But um, I just wanted to shed light on how law enforcement isn't always going to be nice and happy all the time. Uh, There is points where you need to use force and that it's not always just because they just want to put their hands on somebody. It's because it's their job. Abigail Thompson, uh, she wants to help change the theme of how law enforcement is portrayed at this time on the social network. She's going to move into a paid cadet position with the Lansing Police Department uh, in June. Just graduated from Eaton Rapids High School. Loves her family. uh, Respects law enforcement. Uh, Good luck with everything, Abigail. I can just hear it in your voice. You're in the right place. You got the right frame of mind. And we will follow you as you begin your journey on a law enforcement career. Thank you. All right, Abigail Thompson out of Eaton Rapids, Michigan. We've talked to a couple of high schoolers during our True and Blue segments that started back in February here on the Huge Show. And it really, I almost get emotional because we can be led to believe by social networks or the media today that law enforcement doesn't have the respect of America, the majority. And I believe they do. I've always said that. And when I hear the voice of a high school senior, now a graduate, willing to step out, defend law enforcement, and move into a career in law enforcement, uh, says a lot. So I bet her family is very proud of Abigail Thompson out of Eaton Rapids High School. For our listeners on the game, 730 AM in Lansing, we appreciated her time here on another edition of True and Blue which is brought to you each and every week by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. Big. Bad. Huge.